On this week's episode of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast, Elon Musk describes a few ways in which the Cybertruck has evolved since the prototype. Your next Tesla might have a much nicer paint job than what's available now. I've got an interview with a Tesla body repair technician and more. What's happening, friends? Ryan McCaffrey with you alongside Daisy the Boxer Puppy, and we are here for episode 246 of Ride the Lightning, the weekly Tesla unofficial podcast. This episode for April 19th, 2020. And you know, before I get going, I've got plenty to get to this week. It's a fun and exciting week of Tesla news. A strange thought occurred to me this week. Means nothing. I just thought it was random. Maybe you'll find it interesting. But there probably aren't any, as in actual zero new Model Ys available for sale in the world right now. Zero. There's still Model 3s in inventory. There's still S's and X's as well. But to the best of my knowledge, there should be zero Model Ys left because they'd only just started to spin up production. Demand is still very, very much outweighing supply. And, of course, Tesla can't build anymore right now because of the shutdown. So, again, I don't have a point to that, other than that I found it interesting when the thought occurred to me. And I guess it is. it would be also interesting to add, it will probably never happen again, ever, once the shutdown is over. I mean, until the Model Y itself is discontinued some way uh, down the road. Anyway, let's get rolling with the week's Tesla news. First up, some Cybertruck updates from Elon. He took to Twitter to talk about the Cybertruck, starting with the truck itself post-prototype, what they have been doing to the design since the prototype that we saw late last year. And Elon saying, quote, we've reduced the size by about 3%. The center line is more level and the lower window sill height implying uh, lower as well. We're working on increasing dynamic air suspension travel for better off-roading. Needs to kick butt in Baja, which is pretty cool. As for ground clearance, Elon saying, quote, reviewing the overall system with vehicle engineering team next week should have a number then for what the final ground clearance is going to look like. And then uh, Elon was asked, well, will this be an all-new air suspension or an iteration of the second-generation air suspension that's in the Model S and the Model X Raven vehicles now? And he said simply, all-new. So there you go. Some really interesting new tidbits of information on the Cybertruck. What struck me about this is seeing that the Cybertruck is very clearly in, in super active development right now with what must be Franz's team, the design side, and of course the engineering team, they were specifically referenced in his tweets. In fact, with the Model Y now done, from pretty much any, by any definition of it, they just are trying to build them once, once the factory reopens, but with the Y done, I would imagine that the Cybertruck is now the design team and engineering team's top priority since not only is Elon super excited about it, so he's going to be more keen to pay attention to it, 
but Tesla has a little, a little issue of hundreds of thousands of reservations for it. It is a very big but very good problem on their hands here with trying to get that Cybertruck done and built. I mean, it's it's clearly a higher priority than this Tesla Semi or the new Roadster, as it should be, as it should be. They've, there is a, a lot of money to be made with the Cybertruck. It can become a very big part of the Tesla business. The Semi is unlikely to do that, though it's not to discount the potential importance and disruption to the trucking industry in a good way that the semi could cause. And then the Roadster is, as Elon described it to me in my interview with him last year, dessert. That car is dessert. They've got to eat their meals first, got to eat their uh, eat their main course, eat their vegetables, and then they can have uh, dessert with the Roadster. Hey, speaking of my Elon interview, I know I reference it from time to time, but I've heard from a couple of listeners, so just as a as a quick public service announcement, apologies if this is just annoying and redundant to those of you who've been listening, but uh, if you're a newer listener, I did get the unique opportunity to sit down with Elon Musk. We had a one-hour conversation, an hour-long interview. It was episode 200, if you'd like to go back and listen to it if you've never listened to it. Anyway, back to the Cybertruck. Uh, I wonder where exactly that 3% size reduction is going to come from, whether it's going to be the length, the width, the height, or a little of each, you know, kind of an all-around thing. I believe, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe Elon had previously said that the final production Cybertruck would be a touch shorter because a lot of people are concerned about fitting it in their garages so that they can get it secured in their garage, and that's because that's where people's chargers are, is in their garage in most cases. So I wonder if it's at least the length, maybe width and or height as well, but but quite possibly at the very least, it might be a bit shorter. So uh, the suspension travel there, by the way, that he referenced means that it might be, maybe, might be able to squat even lower to the ground if commanded to, and perhaps that is going to affect the default ground clearance as well on these revisions, which, as you heard, was asked about. It's no surprise, though, that the air suspension is going to be an all-new one. That is not a surprise. I mean, the S and the X, as I mentioned, have a, a new system, but what the Cybertruck prototype demonstrated on stage was clearly a big step beyond what the S and the X are doing. So I guess we should probably think of the Raven suspension in the S and the X as version two and the Cybertruck suspension as version three. All right, let's move on to the next story here. Another exciting one, Elon Musk saying that an upgrade to Tesla's paint shops is being planned. He took to Twitter again. He was a little more active than he's been recently this week, which is always nice for me on the podcast. <laughs> Gives me more of the fun stuff to talk about. And Elon said, quote, Giga Berlin will have the world's most advanced paint shop with more layers of stunning colors that subtly change with curvature. To be clear, Fremont and Shanghai will also be upgraded over time, but it's hard to retrofit these improvements to an operating paint shop. Initial production at Giga Berlin is Model Y. So a couple of interesting things about this for me. First, it will be interesting if this, this scenario ends up coming to pass. 
a European Model Y, as you heard him there reiterate once again, he'd said this before, that Giga Berlin will begin initially by producing ex the Model Y exclusively, that a European Y could have different color options and or better quality paint jobs than uh, Model Ys made in North America and China, because by that, by that time, the Y will be being made at Giga Shanghai as well. Now, I can't imagine all of those things are going to happen at the same time, meaning the, the upgrades at the other paint shops, because they might be close if they can plan it well enough, but there's likely to be at least some period of time where the European Y is a relatively exclusive and cool thing, globally speaking. Now, second, I know that paint colors have been very low on Tesla's priority list for some time. In fact, I was thinking about this this week. If I remember correctly, uh, the last new paint color that Tesla introduced was when they switched from the dark blue metallic that the S had originally to the blue that they have now. And I believe that was in 2015. So I think because uh, the, they also switched gray. The original gray that the Model S had in the early days was initially referred to as dolphin gray because that was uh, a, a pretty good description for the shade of it. And now it's Midnight Silver Metallic, which is a very popular color. But I believe, if memory serves, the gray switched before the blue did. And that's it. You're talking five years since the last new paint option. Now, they've, they've killed off regular silver and then brought it back for a bit and then killed it off again here not too long ago. What was that? That was 2018 that silver was killed off for the second time. But yeah, 2015, the last time a new paint color was introduced on any Tesla whatsoever. So, because uh, you can't count 2016, or I guess fall 2015, early 2016, when the Model X first started coming, there were the signature Model Xs, so you could order signature red, but that wasn't a new color. They were just bringing it back in its by design exclusive nature, uh, as it had been in the first run of uh, those, you know, the thousand signature S's and the thousand signature X's, you could choose uh, signature red if you wanted. Anyway, so getting back to my point that <laughs> the paint colors have clearly been very low on Tesla's priority list for some time, uh, it would be really nice to have some new paint options. It would be so nice. Paint color on a car, I realize it's one of the single most subjective aspects of any car. But for me, uh, just thinking, there's plenty of colors I'd like to see, but I think the one that would really be, if I had to just pick one, one more color to add, and hopefully that's not going to be the choice. They'll be able to add a number of uh, additional colors. But I think a nice, fairly dark green would be a nice addition to the lineup for all four cars. You know, maybe not quite as dark of a green as the very nearly black green that was, again, one of the original Model S colors, along with brown. I don't think anybody's clamoring for brown to come back. That, But that green, if you've ever seen a Model S in that color, it's, it's at night, you basically can't tell it's green. Uh, 
only really in bright sunshine can does the green really come out on it. But it's still pretty nice. You can look it up on Google Images. Give it a search if you're curious if you've never seen one. I mean, even here in the Bay Area, where we've got Tesla HQ and there are, and the factory, and there are a million Teslas running around, I barely ever see a green Model S anymore. Anyway, uh, so yeah, I think a nice, you know, maybe a... Uh, a hunter green or a British racing green could look really nice on, in particular, I think the sedans, the S and the three, but I think it could work well on the X and the Y also. Final thought on this topic. I just don't see any way at all in which Tesla would offer the same five, five pretty basic colors that they've got now when it does come time to finally build the Roadster. That car is going to have to have some deeper and more brilliant color options with more choices beyond the shades of grayscale, blue, and red that are the choices now. Because, um, you know, the, the, you're talking about a $200,000 supercar. It is not going to be wearing the same paint that the you know $40,000 Model 3 is now. You know, I wonder, in fact if the paint shop upgrade will tie into Roadster production at all, meaning do, do those paint shop upgrades have to come along before the Roadster does, Good, you know, who knows? It's possible, but because the timeline it might match up to the opening of Giga Berlin, or if they'll end up just doing small batches of Roadsters at the existing paint shop as is in its own unique colors, better colors, deeper colors, more of a more of a by hand thing than than the the paint uh, process is now. Anyway, the Cybertruck as we know, cuz we're talking about the upcoming lineup, it doesn't need paint. So no worries on that one. Okay, let's move on. Speaking of the Cybertruck and the Roadster, the United States has moved a step closer towards allowing cameras Instead of side view mirrors, that is getting closer to reality here. Now, as you know, both of those prototypes, the Cybertruck prototype and the Roadster prototype, use cameras instead of mirrors, and that is how Tesla would prefer to build them, both for cosmetic reasons, but especially for range efficiency reasons. Heck, you can go all the way back to the Model X prototype from early 2012, if you look up pictures of it, it had cameras on the sides instead of mirrors. Obviously, with the X, they were not able to build it with the cameras uh, there. They had to go with traditional mirrors. But Tesla has, has been wanting to do this for a very, very long time. Now, this story came, I want to tip my hat to the Tesla Motors Reddit, that the uh, with the government, this this uh, application, as it will, this this process of evaluating the viability and reliability of the cameras in lieu of mirrors, it has moved from request for public comment, which I think I'd mentioned on the show here some months ago, to now proposed rule change. So it, it has taken the next step in the process. It's not there yet, but it's getting closer to becoming a legal reality in this country. I mean, if the technological implementations from from Tesla and others are up to the government standard for safety, I mean, we could see Teslas not only look a little cleaner, aesthetically speaking, but also, again, as I said, improve that range. In the past, Tesla has estimated that range is affected 
negatively between 3 and 5% because of the aerodynamic drag caused by those side side mirrors that are just sticking out of the <laughs> off the side of the car. So, it would be awesome to have it. Although I do have to wonder exactly how Tesla would implement it. Would they use the center screen and have docked views of the left and right side cameras there all the time and then you just have to look over there to see? Or I don't know if they could, if they legally could do that or if that would even make ergonomic sense. I mean, I, I would, or would they need dedicated little, you know, like two small screens on the, on the, next to the A pillars on the sides of the dash, the left and right sides of the dash? I mean, I would think they would need to be active and on, meaning the, the display, not the camera. Obviously, of course, the camera is going to be on, but the display of those would need to be active all the time so that you can check them at a glance without needing to press a button to manually activate them. I can't imagine that the government would allow a manual on-off for those. I mean, I'm not sure, obviously. I'm just speculating here. But I can't wait to find out how this goes. Fingers crossed that this becomes a reality and an actual approved rule change in time for not just the Cybertruck and the Roadster, but hey, how about also the Tesla Semi? Because that thing, by sheer nature uh, of its design and its its size has enormous side view mirrors. So I'm sure Tesla would want to get rid of those and really uh, probably save, again, if you're saving three to 5% on a 500 mile range vehicle, well, suddenly that's a nice chunk of extra range you could potentially get right there. Speaking of cameras, as I move to our next story, we knew that the cabin-facing camera that's inside of every Model 3 and Model Y and currently disabled was for robo-taxi purposes, which Elon has said in the past. But thanks to white hat Tesla hacker Green the Only, you can follow him on Twitter, at Green the Only, we now have a look at exactly what that camera sees. So he posted some images of it. And he says, quote, the mystery of the Model 3 in-cabin selfie cam is slowly clearing. The images are not perfect, but at least we get an idea of the coverage now. The sensor is the same as the rest of the cameras. Color filter appears to be RCCB, but debayering failed so far. Resolution is also the same at 1280 by 960. Besides the driver pose, eye tracking also seems to be possible at least to a degree. With regard to the passenger monitoring, the front passenger is visible, but not the seat nor the dash and not the glove box and any other important things. Rear passengers are even less visible. None of the mirrors are visible. And overall, pretty much nothing outside of the car is visible. So people hoping that this will add coverage for autopilot are out of luck. Now, in fact, Elon jumped in on the conversation here to just once again clarify that this, this camera is intended for robo-taxi monitoring. It's basically an insurance policy in case somebody that's robo-taxiing in your car vandalizes your car. But I find it interesting, nevertheless, that Green, who is clearly a very smart person, thought that it could be used for driver eye tracking as an autopilot aid. But it sounds like that's not the case, at least not for now. So again, if you want to see what the views from this camera look like, you can check them out on Green's Twitter feed, at GreenTheOnly, all one word, on Twitter. 
Uh, next this week, I've got one more Sandy Monroe clip for this particular week, as he got his first look at the Octovalve, the successor to the Model 3's very innovative Super Bottle. And Elon was, of course, talking up that Octovalve on Twitter a couple weeks ago, as I told you about. So here is Mr. Monroe getting his hands on the Octovalve. This is the famous uh, Octobottle. And, um, and if you have a look, you can see that uh, this thing has got pipes going every different direction. And what it's doing is basically feeding the power to uh, pretty much everything that has to be cooled or heated. Um, we talked about, we talked about uh, the, um, the uh, uh, heat pump here before. And you can see that there's pipes coming to and from there. And you can see that uh, the high and low pressure sides of this thing are, are heading around the corner and straight into the octo bottle. So this is kind of fun. We're kind of happy about that. The, uh, uh, the other thing that we've heard just recently is that um, this has a short circuit, which would mean that uh, the short circuit would, would mean that you could get heat faster out of the heat pump. And uh, so we're, we're happy to hear about that. Anyway, this is uh, kind of, this is kind of, uh, this is kind of something that we're excited about. Well, it sounds like Sandy's going to be taking a deeper dive into the Octovalve soon, but he is once again impressed. In fact, to me, that is the theme of this entire teardown so far after about 20-something videos, is that Sandy Monroe, a industry expert, I mean, it's very fair to call him that, is incredibly pleased with the design and assembly of the Model Y thus far, and I'll tell you, it seems like, based on everything he's been showing, that Tesla has come a long way in just the three years since they started manufacturing their first high-volume car, that, of course, being the Model 3. So uh, more from Mr. Monroe on future episodes of this podcast as it warrants. Again, you can view, I'm, I'm only posting the occasional little interesting clip here or there, but there's, he's got a, just, at this point, hours of video of the teardown uh, if you want to go look on his YouTube, just search for Monroe Live. And Monroe, for him, is spelled M-U-N-R-O. Next this week, Elon Musk made an appearance on the Third Row Tesla podcast. I know a couple of the cast members on that show, Safian and Vincent. They're both very kind, very enthusiastic members of the community. They're joined by a few other uh, folks on there. And they had Mr. Musk stop by over the phone, obviously, since we're all physical distancing right now. First, they got Elon to talk about how the, uh, so to speak, under the hood changes from the Model Y to the Model, uh, or to the Model Y from the Model 3 has led to the Model Y's efficiency gains. Take a listen to this. I mean, the things that I think are most significant about the Model Y are the the heat pump design with um, with with the octa valve, which is quite a clever valve uh, idea, um, and so it's the, 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 really the heat pump and the rear what what we call, internally call the rear underbody castings, um, and I think those are the two most significant changes of the Model Y. There are a bunch of smaller ones, but those are the two most significant ones. And, and the um, 
so the, the, the heat pump means that the, the car is able to operate more efficiently. So even though it has, uh, it's, it's heavier um, and it has a bigger cross-sectional area, uh, it's, it's actually able to achieve a range that is about the same as the Model 3. So normally you'd expect something that is around 10% heavier, around 10% uh, bigger cross-sectional area to be to have 10% less range, approximately. Um, but we were able to make the car 10%, a little better than 10% more efficient, so it's able to maintain approximately the same range as a Model 3, despite being a bigger vehicle. That's, that's, that was the goal of the heat pump design. So there you go. The Octo Valve really is a secret weapon inside the Model Y. Very cool on that. And then uh, later in the interview, Elon was asked if these advancements will be coming over to the Model 3 anytime soon. Here was Elon's response to that. The current version of the Model Y has basically two, two big uh, high-pressure die-cast aluminum castings that are joined, and then there's still a bunch of other bits that are attached. And then later this year, we'll transition to the rear underbody being a single-piece casting that also integrates the rear crash rails. Which it will take wow. to another. Cool. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So if you know what this is like, big deal. By the way, it gets better. Um, so the, the current castings, because you've got to interface with so many different things, we have to CNC machine them. Uh, CNC machine the interfaces, uh, and we've got to, um, you know, uh, join all these things. It's quite quite difficult. There's like a bunch of things that got to be joined. We've got to put datums on them and that kind of thing. Um, the single piece casting has no CNC machining. It doesn't even have datums. Like that's a like profound, really. Um, it took us a lot of iteration, by the way, to get there. It sounds obvious when I say it, but it's quite difficult to get yeah. there. And it, it, it does require the world's biggest casting machine, uh, which we have two of. Um, so it was like basically around 6,000 ton uh, casting machine. It's the size of a small house, basically. Um, wow. One coming from Italy and one coming from China. Um, and uh, we should be actually starting to set up the one from Italy, in, I think, next month. Um, you know, this, yeah, there's going to be some iteration. Is that something you see coming to the Model 3 as well? Uh, yeah, I think so. Um, like I said, this is very sort of engineering node stuff, you know, like this is, like to, to the average person, they wouldn't know if it's made of uh, a patchwork quilt of stampings or if it's made of a, a single piece casting. Um, but it, it has a big effect on the ease of manufacturing, like a really big effect. So the, 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 effectively the manufacturing cost is much less um, and the I mean, we, we see about a 30% reduction in the size of the body shop. Like, that's a giant. Wow. I mean, that's, yeah. That's huge. It's huge. Um, so, um, yeah, that, so that, that is a thing we'd want to bring to bear on the Model 3 over time. But we've we got to pick, like, which battles are we going to fight? You know, so we can't fight all the battles all the time. So... We got to say, okay, which battles? How do we allocate the resources to fight the right battles at the right time, and hopefully not make too many mistakes in the process? Um, that's that's actually the trade. It's like um, there's like there's a lot of fish to fry here. 
Honestly, I'm a little surprised by Elon's response there, but then again, I admittedly don't have the full picture of what he's talking about by other projects, other priorities. I mean, sure, the Semi, the Roadster, the Cybertruck are the big obvious ones, but the Model 3 is just as important to the company as the Model Y is projected to be. So I'm a bit surprised that they wouldn't be moving all of these advancements over the Model 3 as quickly as they possibly could, because seemingly those would be gains that you could realize on a very large, high-volume scale. Hmm. Anyway, uh, again, you can check out the rest of the 30- or so-minute interview with Elon on the Third Row Tesla podcast. Kudos to those guys and girls for landing, Mr. Musk. Uh, before I move on to what is a very special next segment coming up this week, a quick update from Elon again on stop sign and traffic light functionality for autopilot. He goes to Twitter to say, quote, we're working super hard on getting traffic lights and stops released. Reverse summon, aka auto park, will be part of the core autopilot software upgrade for full self-driving later this year. Well, the, uh, the aforementioned st traffic lights and stop signs feature, that was, it went out to the initial group of, of testers last week. I think I told you about it then. But now it is rolled out to the slightly wider early access group, so the, a bit of a more public group. So it should be finding its way to the rest of us, hopefully in the next couple, few, two, three weeks or so, barring any significant issues or bugs that are discovered with it. Now, with regard to auto park, so getting out of the car and then the car goes and finds a parking spot on its own, with all due respect on that one, I do not see myself trusting my car to handle that on its own without me in it anytime soon. I am happily going to wait for others to try it out on that one. I'll tell you, I don't know about you and your results with it, but I have tried the smart summon that we have. Well, not only smart summon, but even just the auto park that we have now where you're sitting in the car and you're, you know, you're lined up next to a, a parallel or perpendicular spot. And if you can get it to get that P to come up on the screen, it'll, it'll park itself. I've tried uh, each of those a few times, the parallel and the perpendicular. I don't, if it's, if I've allowed it to finish at all, it's maybe been once. I have intervened every single time because it's been terrifying every single time uh, to the point where I've just inter intervened and taken control because it has seemed like it was going to hit something, either a another car or the curb. So um, if, <laughs> I mean, I love the idea of the car parking itself, uh, just wandering around the parking lot and parking itself. And I, I don't doubt that we will reliably get there at some point, but based on where we are now with some of these other auto park and smart summon features, I am not going to be first in line to put my, my wheels and my, my car's body on the line for that one. Uh, final programming note here for the news segment this week. Tesla's Q1 earnings call will take place on April 29th. So look for my usual analysis and audio clips, my usual thing that I do with the quarterly earnings call, uh, which I always have so much fun doing. That's going to be on episode 248 or in two shows from now. So look for that. All right, I'm going to come right back and introduce the next segment, which is an interview 
with a gentleman by the name of Robert DeFranco. He is a Tesla certified structural repair technician. So yes, a body repair tech. Been around a long time. He's uh, he's an, he's quite the expert. So stay tuned for that right after this. This is Steve Downs, the voice of Master Chief, Sierra 117. You're listening to Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast. You know, that Cybertruck looks a lot like a warthog, doesn't it? Master Chief, out. The Chief himself, Steve Downs. You like that? I had a, I was really thrilled when that came through. Uh, that's, that's a little fun nugget for uh, those of you who are video game players. Again, I work in video games by day. A little bit of it leaks into the show. I mean, if you, rec- you some of you might recognize the intro music, the theme music to this show, and the bumper music. And that fits uh, that little that little uh, bit from Steve Downs fits right in. So, uh, just if you're curious, there is that is uh, from a website called Cameo, Cameo.com, and I jumped at that opportunity because uh, it's got just there's there's a bunch of celebrities and voice actors on there that are all uh, right now they're all uh, donating their entire fees to COVID nineteen relief. So I thought this is just a of course, like I, this is a perfect opportunity to do this. So I was more than happy to spend a little bit of money for it to go to a good cause. And now I have a super fun bumper from Master Chief. Yes, so good. And he's totally right. The Cybertruck does look like a warthog. And in fact, Elon at one point had said that the warthog kind of inspired the Cybertruck. So anyway, thank you, Steve Downs, for that. And now I want to uh, give you a little something different this week. In lieu of the Ride the Lightning hotline, and by the way, that this the hotline's not over. It'll be back next week. I would very much like you to continue to call in with your Tesla questions, Tesla comments, Tesla discussion topics. You can call in in one of two easy ways. I'll give you the, the info here just so you have it handy. Remember, you can use your smartphone's built-in voice recording software and record your question on that on your phone. And please try to keep it to 90 seconds or less, minute and a half or less. And then email that recorded file to me at teslapodcast at gmail.com. Or you can take that same 90-second or less question, comment, or discussion topic and call in and just leave a message on the Ride the Lightning hotline itself. It's a toll-free number, so it won't cost you anything. You can call or Skype at any time. And the number is 1-888-989-8752. That's one 888 T-S-L-A. And so for this week, like I said, just, just to take a little break, we'll get back to the hotline next week. But uh, I had a, a listener reach out by the name of Robert DeFranco. And as I said just before the break there, Robert has been a body repair technician for 30 years. And the last six of those, he's been working exclusively on Teslas. So he is a Tesla certified structural repair technician. And I thought it would be really interesting to talk to him about, because, you know, accidents and, and damage repair and oh, parts, you know, are such a big worry for, for Tesla owners if they if they uh, get into a collision. The Cybertruck, hey, how's that going to work with the stainless steel? So talk to Robert for 20 minutes. I hope you enjoy this interview. I found it very interesting. It's relevant to all of us. We hope we never need his services or, or any uh, <laughs> any of his fellow body repair techs, but Hopefully you learned something. Hopefully you enjoy this interview. Here you go, Robert DeFranco. Hey, Ryan. Great to be here. So uh, you reached out to me. This was great. Uh, you've been listening to the podcast, and I thought, well, boy, it would be 
this is a field I know nothing about, but this is something that's relevant to all Tesla owners. I mean, we hope that we never need you, right? That's that's the goal, is that we're never in a in a collision and need your services. But if we do, uh, I thought, you know, boy, there's there's just a lot to cover here. So as I said, you've you've been a body repair technician for 30 years, the last six on Tesla exclusively. How did you get into the Tesla repair business? Now, I know you're a Model S owner, so did you seek the business out of, boy, I'd love to just pivot my business, work on these things exclusively, or did so many Teslas, Model S's start popping up in your area over the last six years that that the business kind of found you? Well, I had worked for a uh, a local uh, dealership body shop uh, for a while, and I eventually left that shop. Uh, to go somewhere else but that shop had an aluminum repair program but they only had one person that worked there because the aluminum repair programs uh, when it comes to the body shop business are kind of an exclusive thing there's very few aluminum cars and very few manufacturers make them so it's kind of a hard uh, part of our industry to get into and um, so they had a, a gentleman there that had been there for a number of years working on the Aston Martins and um I had told them if they ever expanded their aluminum program, I would like to uh, have have a, a shot at being a part of it. And um, the head of the Aston Martin uh, body shop program got hired by Tesla to to start their body shop program. So they oh, wow. started reaching out to Aston Martin dealerships and offering them to get on the Tesla program. And when they did that to that shop, they called me and invited me to come back to work there and. Uh, uh, go down to Fremont at the factory and get, get certified and get all the training to start working on Teslas. That's cool. So uh, now you've probably seen just about every car in your line of work over the years. What what drew you to Tesla and and led you to want to purchase a Model S of your own? Well, um, after spending a couple of years working on them, uh, driving them. Uh, you just start it's hard it, it it it's hard not to just fall in love with these cars uh, yeah. they're not like any other car and once you drive one you don't want to drive another car it's when you get in a, another car it's like going back in time is what it feels like exactly yeah it's uh it, that is really it's it's almost a it sounds hokey and cliched but that's you talk to one person after another, and that's, I mean, that's my story as well, going back a number of years. It's just, as soon as you drive the car, that's it. I mean, there's just no, and, and you've driven, you've you've been in everything, I'm sure, over the years. Oh, I've been in every, just about every car manufactured. <laughs> so, uh, you were telling me off air, you've got a, you managed to pick up a P90D Model S for yourself. So, have you had a lot of fun uh, in giving giving uh the launch demos to your friends and family <laughs> not a lot of fr- not a lot of friends but my kids get a big kick out of the launch demos <laughs> they, they are the ones boy they kids really get it don't they i mean i know my daughter's that way and i i, I get more thumbs up from kids than from anybody else it's which which bodes well for the next generation right that they all see tesla from their childhoods as as a cool thing <laughs> for sure you know I, as uh, much as i like the the p90d i think i'm gonna have to sacrifice it though i'm gonna have to sell it unfortunately to afford my cyber truck that i've got on order yeah so i wanted to ask you about that uh this you're you're actually in a, a I think the perfect person to to talk to here because 
So I, if you, I know you've been listening to the show for a while, uh, certainly since the Cybertruck reveal. And as you know, I had a DeLorean for 12 years, the only other mass-produced stainless steel-bodied vehicle to ever exist up to this point. And so that's I know a little something, because I actually did have a fender repaired at one point on the car. And so, yeah, I want to ask you, how are repairs in your estimation, your professional estimation, going to work with the Cybertruck with this uh, cold-rolled, hard 301 stainless steel body? Well, all I can do is is kind of guess at how that's going to work because this is is from what I you know I think I've had access to the same information you've had access to. It's being designed and it's being uh, built like no other vehicle that's ever ever before. So right. all the way the all the ways that we're going to have to repair this vehicle are, is going to be something new that we've never done before. But that seems like it, it sounds like from you, what you were saying a few minutes ago about your how you got into Tesla work with the aluminum repair. It sounds like you're a guy who's who's uh, you've been around a long time. You've seen it all, and it sounds like you're up for a new challenge. You want to learn something new. So are you kind of eager to to uh, be the guy that that people can turn to in the Dallas area for for stainless steel repair on their Cybertruck? Oh, for sure. I can't wait to start doing that. I, I really hope they're going to, uh, they, you know, when I first got into the Tesla certified program, we had to go down to Fremont and train at the factory and get certified. And we had to take, we had to go down multiple times, take multiple classes. And, um, sure. A few years later, they, they canceled the in, in person, in, in person training classes and put everything online. Uh, but I got a, a really, and I, and that's, I don't totally agree with that. I think, uh, you don't really get the training online that you can get in person from a cert, from an instructor. Uh, but I gotta, I gotta think that they're going to bring that training back, especially when it comes to the cyber truck, because there's going to be some really new innovative things that they're going to be requiring us to do. And, and it's probably going to be something that they're going to have to bring that type of training back. And I hope they do. It's, it's really a lot of fun to go down there and, and I uh, get to see the, see the cars being built and and get to train with some of the people that actually build the cars. Have you uh, are, are you are you is there a part of you that's that's really eager to take a sledgehammer to the body of the truck? <laughs> Since, you know, if you screw something up, you know you can re- you'll be able to repair it. But is did what was that your favorite part of the presentation when uh, when Franz took the sledgehammer to the car? <laughs> um, it, it was it was. But in all in all fairness, he he didn't use an actual sledgehammer. He used a hammer called a dead blow hammer. Dead blows so, are made of like hard plastic. They're not made of. Okay. They're not made of like a regular sledgehammer that's made of steel. I think yeah. the outcome might have been a little different. <laughs> it's interesting. That's good to know. Uh, so, so it's probably still not a good idea to take hammers to to your uh, to your cyber truck when you get one. Although, I mean, it it does sure sound like though that something like a door ding is the car. The truck is going to be pretty door ding resistant by the sounds of it. Yeah, even a you know the dead blow, yeah like even though he used a dead blow hammer he's a really big heavy one and yeah any other car would have took a huge dent in their door if he'd have used it so you'd have to imagine that that thing is going to be doording proof. Uh, so what I'm curious, what's the worst Tesla accident damage you've ever seen that's been able to be repaired where you haven't had to just write off the car as a loss? Like how how resilient I guess is my question are. Tesla's in your experience? 
Well, um, in our business, uh, typically we can just about repair any damage that the manufacturer will allow us uh, sell us parts for up until the point where the cost of the repairs uh, are more than what the car is worth and that, then the car right. becomes a total. And so because some of the Tesla, like Model Xs, uh, are really expensive, they get to be over $120,000, we can get some really extensive repairs uh, sometimes when it comes to those cars. Uh, the last, the largest one I've done lately was a Model X hitting the rear and pretty much from the Falcon wing door. We replaced every panel in the car pretty much from the Falcon wing doors back. Wow. That's, uh, is it, is it, uh, I guess what, what has surprised you? Cause you know, you're down in the guts of, of these cars, of the Teslas. What has, is there anything that sort of jumped out at you about something innovative or different or cool about the construction of a Tesla versus most cars you see? Well, uh, they're, they're designed the, they're designed like pretty much like no other car. Um, uh, the, uh, and, and one thing that, and I don't think a lot of people realize this one thing they do, and it's not always good for us on the repair side. It actually makes our job more difficult is they're constantly improving the car. They're constantly changing right. it. The Model S's came out in 2012, and the 2012 Model S and the 2020 Model S are light years apart. And even though the bodies are almost identical, you know, they refreshed the front ends in 2016 and changed the front bumper right. and got rid of the nose cone. But, and other than that, the bodies are absolutely identical, and but everything underneath is constantly being changed and improved and upgraded. And most manufacturers don't do that. You know, most manufacturers, once they start uh, a car, like a, a certain model, it'll have a five, seven, eight, ten year run. And during that time, that car is identical from from the from the first to the last day until they ch decide to uh, come out with a new version, a new model, and upgrade the whole car. Tesla doesn't do that. They they are literally almost, and you can't even put it by the year. I mean, it's literally by the month, constantly improving their cars, making them better, and. Uh, no, many, most manufacturers simply don't do that. I think that's, I'm not sure, it's no, I'm not sure if that's a cost issue of why they don't do that, but I know most of people like you and, and the other listeners that are just uh, Tesla owners, you you know that they're constantly sending updates to improve the car and, and add features, but the stuff you don't see is, is, is underneath. They're constantly upgrading the electronics. They're constantly upgrading the door handles and the windows and the doors and all the, all the electronics and the, uh, the, the motors and the batteries, you know, they're constantly being improved and upgraded and, and just made better. Which, which I guess, yeah, is a, is a hassle for you because if you're doing a repair and you get into a, you're digging into, let's say a 2015 model S, it might not have the same parts in it necessarily, or the same versions and compatibility of parts that, that a, what, a 2017 or a 2018 has in it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, the, the, the only people that, uh, dislike having to deal with Tesla is our parts managers. They, they, <laughs> they, they absolutely pull their head out dealing with it because it, the way that it, for one thing parts is, has always been our biggest issue getting parts in a timely manner that's always been yeah. our biggest issue from day one and but the fact that they change the car so much it's really hard to make sure and get the correct parts because uh 
Yeah, every year or every six months, they change and the parts are different and it's hard to make sure we get what we need correctly. So that I was going to ask you about that for sure, because it's, you know, you hear a lot in the Tesla community about, oh boy, you know, I got in a, I got in a fender bender that need a new bumper, but it's, it's going to, it's on order for like three, it's going to take three months. So here in, as we sit in April of 2020 is, is our parts in, I guess in your experience, I mean, you're, you're in Dallas, it's, it's your sort of corner of the world there, uh, is parts availability still something that Tesla needs to improve on or has this has this issue kind of worked itself out? Well, lately things have been pretty good. We've gotten parts on in a timely type manner, but the problem is is in the past that's happened and then it's regressed and gone back to really taking a long time to get parts. So uh, I hope it's it's gotten a lot better. I really hope it stays that way. It, it's very frustrating for us and for our customers when uh, you know, cars are delayed be simply because we can't get the parts that we need. Yeah, that's that's totally understandable. So, um, on now six the last six years, you've been doing nothing but Teslas. Is is your your entire shop just doing nothing but Teslas, or or is it you as as uh, the aluminum expert in the building doing nothing but Teslas? Uh, no, it's not a Tesla. Uh, a dedicated shop, uh, but the volume of Teslas has grown so much. Uh, we, we went from two dedicated technicians uh, 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 that could handle all the Teslas, and now the fact that the volume has increased so much, the a lot of the Teslas have been going to other techs in the shop, but uh, that can handle you know the smaller uh, versions and and the and the bigger right. the bigger harder. Uh, structural uh, repairs have been staying with the two certified techs, but uh, I've I've uh, at at one point we had so much work I had two helpers working under me to keep try to keep up with the volume because uh, uh, it just keeps it just keeps increasing. The only thing that really changed that was the uh, uh, the coronavirus pandemic. That's kind of shut everything sure. down. So hopefully that comes back though. We we all yeah. work on commission, so when there's no cars, we don't get paid. Oh man. Um... <laughs> Well, so with the did did the Model Three really? Obviously, it's it's such a high volume car relative to the S and the X. Has that have you seen the effects of that? Like, are are you just constantly uh, inundated with with a backlog of cars now because because there are just so many more Teslas on the road? Yeah, you, the Model Three changed everything. You know, I think. Uh right before the model three came out, um, they were, they were manufacturing, uh, just under a hundred thousand a year for the S and X. And, and they ramped the model threes up to almost a 400,000 now or 500,000 a year. I think they're trying to get to. So yeah, that, 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 uh, that definitely increased our business and, and, uh, and, uh, help, you know, it was good for us and good for the shop. It's, it's brought a lot of, uh, work and, uh, Kept you know, kept us employed and had us hiring more people to try to keep up with it. It's uh, been so a I'm, been a good problem to have. Yeah, I'm guessing. I was going to ask then. The Model Y has got to be music to your ears because that's a, not only an, another new Tesla, but it's going to be as high a volume in in the end or higher volume than than the three. So that's that's just more job security for you, yeah. For sure. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. We got four or five of those in the shop right now. Uh, they're beautiful already. 
Yeah. Well, well how, how they're not. They're how not are people denting them already? Most of the time, uh, when these type of models just come out, if we we get the serv- the Tesla service will send send us cars that have any type of uh, transportation damage or maybe okay. some type of paint defects. So we've got a few that, uh, with those issues, but uh, those things are beautiful. I, I really like them. Are uh, do you deal with paint as well in your specific? expertise no i do with all the mechanical all the electrical all the computer programming all the aluminum and steel structural so i pretty much do everything but paint okay because i was curious if if like the multi-coat red or the the multi-coat pearl white are are trickier to deal with i've I've heard that they are and i and i could imagine that they are but well three uh, stage three stage paint on from any manufacturers are definitely a little bit more challenging to to uh make look correct and match uh, and do the, do the paint guys you work with, are they, are they wizards with it? Are they able to match multi-coat red pretty well? Yeah, they, they, they're, they're pretty, uh, they've got a lot of experience in the industry and, and, uh, it takes them a few times, but they get that down pretty, pretty quickly and, and they don't have any issues with paint matching. With, uh, with regard to, you know, you, we've been talking about aluminum, of course, the S and the X are entirely aluminum bodies. The three and the Y are part. Tesla had had said, "Well, there there's there's still some aluminum in there, but there's more steel." How can you kind of break it down for me? Because I'm curious. You know, I drive a Model Three. How much of the the Model Three is steel versus how much of it's aluminum? Well, on the outer body panels uh, on the Model Three, the hoods are aluminum. Uh, all four doors are aluminum. The trunk is aluminum. Okay. Uh, the fenders are steel. The roofs are steel that aren't glass, or are they all glass? I'm not sure. They're all glass. They're all glass. Um, uh, The rocker panels and the quarter panels are all steel. The inner structure of the car, uh, it's mostly steel from the front all the way gets to the back. And once it ends up to the to the underneath the back quarter panels, uh, there's some there's a. I think you, 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 did you ever see, you ever, you know how Sandy Monroe is tearing down the Model Y right now? Oh yeah, I've been watching those religiously. Well, on the Model 3, he was real critical of the way they designed the back of the car. Because the back of the car has overlapping panels of aluminum and steel. And when things are difficult for us to repair, they're, they're, they're usually are difficult for them to manufacture as well. So I think, so I've, I've had a lot of experience putting the back of the car together and there's multiple overlapping panels between steel and aluminum. And I'm not hundred percent sure why they did that. And even Sandy was a little critical of it, but yeah, the, the back, most of the aluminum in the car is in the back end and uh, okay. in the back structure. And and let me ask you because I've I've been curious about this. I've been talking about it on the podcast uh, as as Sandy Monroe has has been doing his teardown. He did a teardown of an early tw- an early build, a 2017 Model Three. Are the newer Model Threes still that sort of complicated uh, rear rear end method, the construction method that you're talking about, or, or have they changed? So far, all the ones I've seen have not changed. No, okay. they're, 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 they have already started improving the car as far as fit finish you know they have less and less of those issues but the actual structural part of the car um from what what i've seen so far i haven't seen any changes at all interesting cool well uh so cybertruck is your next tesla you will be (laughs) you'll be uh the the best person to 
to uh, repair it, I'm sure, in, in the Dallas area. That's going to be fun. Which, which variant are you going with, out of curiosity? Uh, the dual motor. Nice. That is going to be... That is going to be very, very interesting. I, I can't wait to see those things actually on the road. Well, Robert, this has been super educational for me. I'm, I'm so glad you'd reached out, and, and I, I, I definitely learned something from talking to you here, and I, I hope my audience did too. That's uh, why I was thrilled to have you on. Robert DeFranco, Tesla Certified Structural Repair Technician, six years exclusive on Tesla. You've been doing it for 30 years. Robert, thanks so much for your time. Thank you, Ron. It's great to be here. Well, I got some good Tesla news this week. The referral wheels, which are the, the zero-G wheels that are in the track package, but without all the other track stuff and without the super slick Michelin Sport Cup 2 track tires with more uh, regular Michelin uh, PS2s, I think, or PS4s, whatever the whatever is on the regular performance Model 3. But anyway, those are starting to be delivered and installed for the referral winners. So since I was uh, lucky enough to get enough referrals to get that, I have an appointment on the books and I am hoping by the time I record the show next week that I will have those wheels installed and can tell you a little bit about them. I definitely want to run a uh, comparative zero to 60 test to see, because I think on the performance, I think they might be a touch wider uh, so that could mean a little extra grip. They might even be a, a tad lighter as well. So I wonder if they're going to make any extra difference in the zero to 60 department, but more, I just, I love the look of them. I think they're very sporty, very minimalist, which I like. And then I will be lucky enough then to be able to put winter tires or, or maybe all seasons, depending on what makes more sense on my existing wheels and use those for, my Arizona travel and any other uh, cold weather travel that I decide to do from here on out without running into the same nightmare scenario of the snow over the grapevine that I ran into that caused me to take a, a what, six-hour detour last, last, last holiday. Oh, my goodness. I never want to experience that again if I can avoid it. Anyway, so yeah, I'll, I'll tell you more about that next week if indeed it happens. Uh, continuing the quarantine tradition now at the suggestion of Stefan from Monterey. Again, I work in video games. You heard another example of that a little while ago with Steve Downs. I thought, again, I would give you another week and another recommendation for a video game if uh, if you have, have maybe been playing a little bit more games since this whole shelter-in-place started. But anyway, uh, this one for Nintendo Switch and Super Mario Odyssey. It is the most recent mainline Mario title, meaning like the, the top shelf AAA development team, the best of the best at Nintendo, uh, the Mario team making their next creation. And this came out in holiday 2017. Gosh, it's been a little over two years already. But Super Mario Odyssey is hands down my favorite game on the Nintendo Switch. I know a lot of people love uh, The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, and I'll probably talk about that one within another week or two, but Mario Odyssey, for me, uh, it is just a fine successor 
to the very, very rich history of mainline Mario titles from, of course, the original Super Mario Brothers, Super Mario Brothers 3, uh, on to Super Mario World and Super Mario 64 and Sunshine. Uh, just a wonderful series over the years. What I love about Mario, the, the again, the mainline Mario games, is it's always redefining itself. That's what I think is genius about, about the Super Mario series. It's never just the same thing over and over there. Nintendo is always reinventing it, always redefining what a platformer is. And I love them for that. And I love the games for that. And Odyssey is just uh, so much fun. The New Donk City level, which is uh, early-ish in the game, like maybe a quarter, third of the way in, it has, without spoiling anything, I just want to tell you if you decide to play it, it has one of the single most joyous sequences that I've seen in a video game in many, many years. I was grinning ear to ear in a way that games, you know, I I enjoy many video games. I'm lucky that I, I mean, even (laughs) sometimes they're work and it's, it is my job, but I'm I'm lucky to have that job. But boy, this particular part, you'll know it when you get to it. It's just a smile ear to ear. If you've been playing Nintendo games since the old days, as I have, this particular part of Super Mario Odyssey is is well worth the price of admission all on its own. So, uh, and that, that of course, very family friendly. You can play that, uh, with the kids. You can play it with the, the kids around, you know, you don't have to worry about any violence, profanity, any of that stuff with, uh, with of course a Mario game. Anyway, pro tip of the week time. This one comes, uh, to me from Rick in Rochester. It's a little pro tip about the HVAC system. Go ahead, Rick. Hey, Ryan, this is Rick calling from Rochester, New York. Just wanted to give a pro tip on your fan, the fan that controls your air conditioning or your heat. Uh, I think a lot of people, when they want to turn it on, or or I should say when they want to turn it off, will click on the fan and then hit the power button for the fan to stop. You don't have to do that. All you need to do is press and hold the little fan icon, and it will you'll see it kind of flash underneath your finger, and it will turn the fan off. So you don't actually have to go into the, the fan uh, system, if you will, to turn it off. Just press and hold the fan button, and it will turn off for you. That's my pro tip. Thanks for all you do. Absolutely love this. I've been listening since your Elon podcast, and I will not stop. Thanks again. Have a good one. Thank you, Rick. You know, I'm pretty sure I aired that one, or at least maybe I said it a long, long time ago, but as you noted, a lot of people are new to the podcast since the Elon interview, and this is such a useful shortcut. I'll tell you, I use it almost every single day, honestly. So I'm more than happy to put this out there again, just in case it is new for, even if it even helps one listener, I think it's worth the, what, one, one and a half minutes we spent on that. So, uh, also, I just want to give a quick tip of the hat. Chris from Gilroy, California, also called in with this right about the same time that Rick did. So, it's uh, ended up going with, with Rick's on that one, only because his, his came in first. But, Chris from Gilroy, I see you, my friend. All right, uh, let me just say hi to a few friends of the podcast before I go. First up, abstractocean.com, purveyors of many fine aftermarket Tesla goods that will improve your car and or beautify it and or customize it to your liking. So they've got the vinyl wrap kits for the center console, change the look, change the the literal feel 
of that console. You can avoid the scratching, the fingerprints, by putting a nice wrap there with the design of, uh, they've got several designs to choose from. So those are always good. The tempered glass screen protectors for the Model 3 and the Model Y. They've got uh, their wonderful lighting kits, including the really cool puddle lights, where with a with a very simple tool, very easy process, you can uh, get in and pop out the the light that's on the bottom of your door when you open it that shines onto the ground. You can replace that uh, with a simple kit, and you can have the Tesla T logo shining down on the ground, like like the the bat signal, or you could do the Model Three logo the S logo, the X logo. So those are all really neat. AbstractOcean.com. And remember, if you're a first-time customer over there, you can use the coupon code RTLPODCAST, all one word, RTLPODCAST at checkout to get 15% off of your first order. Meanwhile, Immaculate Reflections is currently available for you. While your car is probably not getting a lot of work in, why not? get some, why not uh, give it a spa day? Give it a nice spa treatment. If you're in the Bay Area or going to be in the Bay Area, maybe when this is all over, you'll be in the Bay Area. Immaculate Reflections, irdetailing.com. Discounts are available for listeners of this podcast because Jeff uh, is that nice of a guy. So whether you're doing, there's a ceramic coating, which actually I'm going to have my new wheels ceramic coated by Jeff because it'll make them way easier to clean. My I have that on uh, my wheels now. He did those for me and they clean up like brand new. But they, there's no dirt on them. It's so great, so great to clean them when they've been ceramic coated, but more importantly ceramic coat the paint because then you don't have to wax your car for 3 to 5 years, which is nice. There's paint correction, uh, yeah, paint correction. Take out any of those little factory flaws or maybe any little flaws in the paint that have come since then by by uh accident or what you know things happen and paint protection film that's another big service that immaculate reflections offers so anyway check him out irdetailing.com you can also see his work on yelp.com slash immaculate reflections and on instagram where his handle is immaculate underscore reflections meanwhile pure tesla.com slash rtl that slash rtl very important there on that website. Go there if you are interested in getting that nice long-term solution to your dash cam slash sentry mode. As we know, we just got the dash cam viewer in a recent software update, so it's even more useful now. Uh, you wanna, why not? The cars have this free security system. I mean, that's what it is. It's It won't stop anyone from doing anything, but it will record them, and then you can put it on the internet where people, it happens, these people get tracked down and charged with crimes. It's awesome because they get caught for doing horrible things. Hopefully nothing will happen to your car, but better to have it on tape, so to speak. Why do we still say on tape? Is that just because I'm 39 and I remember when there was tape, either cassette tape or VCR tape? Anyway, puretesla.com slash RTL. It is a turnkey kit. You'll just... You order it, it's $49 for the 128 gig, which is what I'm using. You can step up to 256 gigs if you like. That'll cost you $69. It comes fully formatted. You plug it straight into your car when you take it out of the package. Shipping is free in the United States and obviously just reasonably priced international shipping. Uh, And 
that's it. Works with Mac or PC. So get it. PureTesla.com slash RTL. The sale uh, is still going. I'm hoping, I don't know how long this is lasting, but you might want to jump on it soon. The Jada wireless charging pad and the Jada USB hub on sale for both Model 3 and Model Y. So you've got $10 off the USB hub if you use the coupon code Jada Hub. $20 off the wireless charging pad, which obviously you only need in the Model 3 because the Model Y has one built in. The coupon code there, Jada Pad. But if you're buying both, it's not the $30 off. You can get $40 off if you buy both by using the coupon code Jada Bundle. And the link to use there, I humbly request that you use my referral link here. It is getjada.com slash R-E-F slash eight. And Jada is spelled J-E-D-A. Uh, finally, if you're not already subscribing to the podcast, you can do so for free. That is not a cost thing at all. It's just um, if you subscribe, that means you'll get a push notification every time there is a new episode so that you'll never miss a new episode of this podcast. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, on Google Podcasts, Stitcher, uh, TuneIn. Of course, TuneIn's in your Tesla, so yes, you can get the show there if you like. I'm also on Spotify, and then I have a YouTube channel that, again, is just the audio of the show. But if you prefer to listen there, just search for me on YouTube by searching Ride the Lightning Tesla. You'll find my channel, and you can subscribe to the channel very, very easily there. And uh, that'll about wrap it up. Follow me on Twitter if you're interested. I'm at DMC underscore Ryan. Same thing on Instagram. Again, you can always email me, teslapodcast at gmail.com. And I would humbly invite you to uh, pledge on Patreon if you feel so inclined. If you feel that I have earned your support, then I would greatly appreciate it. Everything helps uh, on the Patreon because a lot goes into this podcast every week. It is a lot of time. It is a lot of energy, a lot of research. And I, I do my best. I take a lot of pride in this. So uh, if you do see fit to support me, I would be very, very grateful for that. You can find out more on my Patreon page, which is patreon.com slash Tesla podcasts. You can pledge any amount per month, but the real fun starts at the $5 a month tier, because then you get early access to each week's episode. There are some other additional little perks and bonuses if you go higher than that. But patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N, patreon.com slash Tesla podcast. And that will wrap it up. Daisy the Boxer Puppy snoozing away, as she usually is by this point of the show. So let me thank the Patreon producers on the way out. They are Pete White, Wolfgang Obergen, George Cassiopo, David Brander, Jonathan Wales, Alexi Heft, Logan Willis, Michael Lester, Robert Maracle, Jason Chalukas, Joe Edgel, Tim Hyde, Lawton from Chicago, Peter Chalet, Rome Strack, David Vakil, Ulrich Lassa, Luke A., Eric Randolph, David Nondahl, Jerry and Mary Smith, Brian Hope, Bill Royko, Lyle Austin, Joel Sapp, Dorian Steve Guberman, Michael Waddle, Daniel Grummer, Jeremy, Tesla Owners Taiwan, Jeremy Harris, Rob Brewer, Ron Lee, Chris Konesnik, John Cody, Matthew Wright, Charlie Gillespie, Kaz Barnes, Neil Weaver, David Perella, Sunil Joseph, 
Dennis Peak, Scott Gillis, Will Stedman, Evie Tricity UK, Stig Mickey Jensen, Jeff Angwin, Chase Cabanillas, Richard Folkers, Matt Kalen, Trenton from Myrtle Beach, The Lydia Family, Michael Regal, pardon me, Michael Regal, sorry Michael, Mark Eversole, Ish, and Ramey from TeslaProTips.com. Thank you all genuinely from the bottom of my heart for your continued support on Patreon. That will do it for me. I hope you are all safe and healthy and hopefully still enjoy, able to enjoy your Teslas uh, here or there uh, as you as you get the, the safe opportunity to do so. I will be with you again, of course, next week. It's, it's never a dull moment in the world of Tesla, even when the company is shut down. As this week it was proved, what is this? This is like, a, this is a pretty long episode. What is this turning out to be an hour, 10, hour, 15, something like that? Plenty of fun stuff to talk about, which is, I prefer it that way. I, I want to have fun things to talk about. I don't want to have a short show where there's nothing interesting. So I love it. Stick with me. I'll be here for you. That is my promise to you, my pledge to you. And I will see you back here next week. I mean, I think a Tesla is the most fun thing you could possibly buy ever. That's what it's meant to be. Our goal is to make... It's, it's not exactly a car. It's actually a thing to maximize enjoyment. It's maximum fun.